Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the most popular and least listened to podcast in the world, the Sixth Sense Media Podcast, with your host, Mike Phelan. Uh, to start off with, uh, how did you get involved with this production? Well, uh, I was actually in uh, Fatal Funnel Films' first film, their short film, which was called Cellar Door. Uh, I was actually an actor in that. And after we did that, uh, things went really well on the film festival circuit. And I was asked to audition for Range Runners. Uh, They came to me and said, we have this great part for you. And uh, we think that you could really, you know, sink your teeth into it. So they had me read for it. And then they brought me back in and had me read for it again. And kind of the rest was history. How did you go about approaching that role? Because it, it demanded you be not very nice <laughs> for the entire thing. So <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure you had to you had to think of a way that you could pull that off without it becoming old, without that, that toughness act becoming old. But how did you manage to pull that off? Well, sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so for my career, uh, I have predominantly played bad guys. Uh, in my life for the past 25 years so you know you're right that trying to differentiate between the two and not just make him a snidely whiplash can be difficult Uh, especially you know because you want to give this guy as much of a three-dimensional arc as you possibly can so uh, for me you know I do a lot of work based off of animals um we as actors develop different things here and there. And one of the things that I always do is I choose a new animal and I learn all about that animal and I take all the attributes from that animal and I start to apply it to my character. Um, And in this case, he was a rabid dog, you know? And so I had to do some, not only history on dogs and things like that, but uh, how to also bring in some of the attributes of, you know, this, rabidity kind of thing and and how i would uh portray that so i did a lot of you know i actually wrote out my own bio uh that was like 10 to 15 pages we do that as actors um at least a lot of actors do this but we don't usually ever share that stuff so i wrote out 10 to 15 handwritten pages which i turned into philip and he was you know, he seemed to be really receptive of that. So that was kind of how I did uh, that part. And then there was the physical transformation, uh, which I knew that I had to get in pretty good shape for this film because I knew that I'd be doing all my own stunts and also hiking an obscene amount of time uh, that I'm not used to being from Chicago. So I knew that I had to get endurance down and I also had to get my weight training up. So uh, I proceeded to drop a little over between 30 and 40 pounds. Uh, but then I ended up putting back on about 15 to 20 pounds of muscle, um, just through diet exercise. I worked out every day, pretty much seven days a week for six months. And that's how I was able to kind of transform my body. And then I lost another 10 pounds on the actual shoot. Uh, so that's kind of how I, I got things going. Uh, from what Phil told me, uh, even though there were stunt people on set, a lot of the uh, a lot of the stunts and the fights and everything else is pretty much done by by you guys out there. So, what was that like? Uh, it was amazing. You know, I mean, we actually so we met with Phil's stunt coordinator, uh, Aaron Crippen, 
who I had worked with before on Cellar Door, we had to do some fights and a big brawl at the end of that movie and stuff like that. So my experience with Aaron had already, you know, we had already had that kind of rapport going into this. So that was really helpful uh, in that, you know, he could trust me to do all of this stuff. And I obviously trusted him. So it was a blast. I mean, we worked for, you know, off and on for about two weeks, two to three weeks before the shoot, just choreographing everything. And then, you know, for me, not necessarily being a stunt, you know, a stunt actor, I had to really get it into my body and really, you know, do it over and over. Repetition uh, really helped a lot. So when we actually got there, we had already done all the work in rehearsals. Uh, that, you know, we were able to, okay, well, we're going to mark this here. So it really actually didn't take that long while we were on set, but it was a blast. And of course, working with Celeste, I mean, she is such a giving scene partner. Uh, Same with Michael Woods, who played my my cohort. I mean, the two of them together were just such amazingly generous scene partners that we just, you know, implicitly trusted one another, which can be, you know, very... (laughs) difficult especially thrown in a situation where you're out in the middle of the shawnee national forest you know for the next 20 some odd days and it's 100 degrees out so there was a lot of trust involved and yeah i mean if you see the movie or when you see the movie you will be able to tell that uh yeah we really go for it uh for sure yeah i watched it last week and uh the the hate that that's between you, your character and Celeste's character is very intense, which culminates in that, in the final few minutes of the film to its ultimate conclusion. But how did you two work it out to have this, um, this believable, tangible, um, intense conflict between each other? Cause it's one thing to just kind of bounce the lines off of each other and you know, you're supposed to have the good person, the bad person, and it doesn't always right. It doesn't always feel natural. But here, you you came off as a real asshole. She came off as someone <laughs> that was going to end up killing you in the end. So, <laughs> so there, it was it was very tangible, which made it very very much enjoyable to watch. Even though you knew how it was going to ultimately conclude, you were like, "Ooh, I can't wait till it gets there." So, <laughs> did you two work together well, to, to work that out? Uh, well, absolutely. You know, I, I feel like when it came to the actual dialogue and things like that, you know, the one thing that, uh, Philip always stressed was that, um, you know, cause some of the stuff I was bringing to the table in, when it came to my character and things like that is, you know, obviously Celeste's character and Celeste herself is, you know, she's a black woman and I'm a white man. So, you know, there was obviously that there was that fine line of like, do we bring in the, you know, the racial hate and things like that. And that was one thing that, that Phil really wanted to avoid. You know, he's just like, this guy is more money driven than he is driven by the hate of another person based off of their color. So, you know, I was able to kind of differentiate that right away and get rid of that stuff and just make it about that. He's a greedy pig, you know, that just wants his money. And he just wants comfortability. This is his last big score, you know, kind of thing on this job that him and his partner are trying to pull off. And no matter what, the overall super objective for Wayland is that, you know, that big score. 
Um, obviously, I don't want to give away too much or anything like that. But at the same time, that's, you know, once I got that into my mind, that it was all about the comfortability and, you know, the, the financial, that's when it just, you know, and the fact that she was trying to take that away from me, that became the desperation that I needed to really go after it. And when it came to her, you know, she was just like, do whatever you want, you know, in a safe way, but let's have as much fun and do as much, you know, as we could while we can, you know, like there's a scene in it where she actually spits on me and, uh, you know, she felt really uncomfortable doing it, you know, saying, I don't really want to spit on you and things like that. But by that time, I think we were to already, you know, work together for a few days uh, possibly a week at that time. And I was just like, please, you know, we've already seen, the, you know, the best and worst of each other go for it. You know, I mean, I can always wipe it off and we can just keep on going. And she was like, okay, as long as you trust me. And again, there was that trust between the two of us. And I think that's, you know, hopefully comes across on screen that, yeah, we really hate each other, <laughs> at least on screen, off screen. I couldn't love her even more. It, it was, it was definitely a believable conflict there. It, it just wasn't a mashing of like just two characters on a page. It was, it, it felt intense. Um, did you learn anything That's about yourself? Great, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, no problem. Did you learn anything about yourself uh, during this unique kind of filming situation? Because from what uh, what Phil said, it was very. There was a lot. There was a lot going on in a short period of time, and having to shoot with natural light, and also being in such yeah. rough terrain. I, I'm sure since it's a departure from a studio. A safe studio filming location that that you would kind of have some introspection of yourself uh, as you're as you're performing all this stuff that you that you might come out of it a little different than you went in. For sure, uh, I mean, how could you not? <laughs> if you really look at the circumstances, you know, you you're taking also at least knowing my, me knowing myself, you know, a born and bred Chicagoan, you know, who's lived in the city city proper for his entire life you know so i'm not used to the terrain or anything like that but one of the things that actually i i pulled from it before going into is while i was reading it um mel's father played by carl uh the actor that we got to play mel's father is not only a fantastic actor but just that character and how it was written was so great um, and one of the you know parts of the film that really stuck with me was he tells his daughter about the crack theory, you know, being in the military and things like that, that basically, you know, your body is going to go through everything and to the point where, you know, you're going to get soaked from head to toe and all of the water will run into basically your butt crack. Right. So just knowing that once you have given yourself completely over to something and knowing that, you know, you can finally be comfortable with that, then you, then, and only then that you can actually move forward. And so I really adopted that going into this, knowing that I am going to be thrown against the wall and, you know, stepped on, pushed around, do all this stuff. If you can push against it, or you can create that crack theory in your own mind, just knowing that, yeah, this is an uncomfortable situation, but this is what you love. These are the type of, you know, instances and memories that I will live with forever that I can now talk about 20 years from now and say there was that one summer where I shot that 
amazing film in which I really challenged myself, not only as an actor, but as a human being, you know, to be out in those elements every day where it's, you know, 100, 100 degrees and you have to hike probably upwards to five or six miles on some days, you know, and you have to drag people around and body slam them and do all of these other things or have those things done to you. It just takes a lot of focus, commitment, and drive, and that was something that I really prepared my mind and body for going into this entire thing. So, yeah, it taught me a lot for sure. Uh, would you Would you like to go through this experience again on another film? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I would for sure, you know, if, if given the opportunity, absolutely you know, it's also one of those things. I think next time I would like to, you know, maybe we could negotiate a few other things before we go, you know, slopping around in the swamplands and things like that in the Shawnee National Forest. Uh, I would do it again, but uh, yeah, I think I would need a little more time for preparation of my mind. Yeah. <laughs> uh- my last question, which is the most important one, is uh, where and when will people be able to see Range Runners? Ah, well, uh, luckily for uh, all of the world, uh, <laughs> Range Runners will be dropping on September 8th. So that's uh, two weeks from yesterday, I believe. Uh, it's going to be on all the major platforms. I think the big one being Amazon. So please check us out there. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I believe we're opening in Canada. I mean, the next day or a couple of days after that. So yeah, look for us September 8th. Look for us on Instagram and all of the social networks. Uh, we are there. Range Runners, the film. Um, yeah, they're doing some really exciting things at Fatal Funnel. And I'm just happy to be a part of it. You've been listening to the Sixth Sense Media Podcast. You can find more of our celebrity interviews and roundtable discussions on iTunes, Podbean, and SoundCloud. Be sure to check out our movie, TV, and video game coverage at SixthSense.com and FanBolt.com.